Well, we are excited about the new Tiffin campus that is opening really in just a few weeks. And uh, one thing I just want to say is, is I know there's a lot of you in here who have spent countless hours over at Tiffin working on stuff, getting the campus ready. And literally some of you have poured your blood, sweat, and tears into that campus. So I just want to say thank you. I feel like we don't do that enough. We recognize, especially as a staff, um, all the time, effort, and energy that a lot of you have put into that campus serving us and serving the church. And so I just want to say thank you for that. Also want to say thank you. I know that there's a lot of you out there that have been praying for our inspections at Tiffin and our timing and stuff like that. I also want to say thank you for that as well. Uh, last Thursday we had an inspection and we didn't pass. So um, we are planning on passing this week. Um, we're going to have, I think there's a couple inspections that we need to, that need to take place this week. And I think one might be tomorrow and then one is on Tuesday. And so if you would continue to pray, um, pray harder this time, I'd appreciate that. And uh, it should be, we're not worried, God, it's all in God's timing, and, um, but we are excited for what God is going to do just 25 miles south of us in Tiffin. Uh, the last couple weeks, we've been in a series called Made for More, and really we are gearing up for this Tiffin campus launch, and that's the reason why we're in this series, and we are going through our new purpose statement. And so we've kind of broken this down, trying to make it easier to memorize. I don't know how well we do that. But the first one, uh, we broke it down into four parts. And that is discover truth. It's decide on Jesus. It's demonstrate change. And then to deploy for others. And basically, deploy for others just means reaching out. Okay, reaching out to those that are all around us who are lost. And this is really the flow that we are trying to encourage all of us, including myself, all of us as a church family to go through together. Uh, but we're all at different places. I mean, some of us in here, uh, you haven't uh, discovered truth yet. and You've been coming to church, and you've been trying to check things out, and, you, and this is all new to you, and you're still, you're still trying to figure it all out, and uh, you haven't discovered truth yet. And, and what I want to say to you is you need to keep coming. All right, read the Bible. Okay, the Bible is filled with truth, and that's, that's what we're preaching here on Sunday morning. Um, keep coming. Try to figure that out. Keep looking for that truth because it's there. And then there's a lot of us, or there's a lot of you in here that uh, you've discovered truth, and, and, uh, but you, you know what the Bible says, and you've, you've been coming to church, and you've heard the gospel, what we call the good news, what Jesus has done, and, and you've kind of gone through all that, but you just haven't yet decided on Jesus. And a lot of you, it's, well, there's kind of two camps. There's some people, they know, they're like, yeah, I, I know 100%, haven't decided on Jesus yet, still, still working on it, but then there's a lot of you who it, you, you kind of trick yourself into thinking that you have decided on Jesus, but you actually haven't. Where it's like, yeah, me and God, we're, we're cool. I like the idea of God. I like God. But you haven't given your life over to him. You haven't actually made that decision. decision. And I think probably the main reason for that, if we dig down deep and we really look for what that is, the main reason for that is simply we like control, Right? I mean, we like control of our lives. We're all in this, right? No, right? Come on, guys. Work with me here. Give me, a, give me something. We like control of our lives. We're all the same in this. Okay, we naturally, we like, to do li we like to do life our way, not necessarily God's way. And so we, we don't want to give up that control. We keep putting that decision off or we keep tricking into our, ourselves into thinking we made that decision when we actually haven't just to make ourselves feel better. And some of you, you need to take some time this afternoon because this is the most 
important decision you could ever make in your entire life. You need to kind of step away from, from busy life, spend five minutes with God, and just try to figure out where you're at in that. Have you actually decided on Jesus? And then probably for the majority of the people in this room, we've uh, discovered truth and we've decided on Jesus. And our life has begun to demonstrate change. And it should. Right? That's a part of it. The Bible says those two things go hand in hand. When we decide on Jesus, our life begins to demonstrate change. Now that's part of it. We start to think different. We start to act differently. See, our decision to follow Jesus, it pushes us to demonstrate change. And with that, we realize our mission. We realize our job. We realize why on earth, um, what on earth we're here, and w- or why on earth we're here, and what we are supposed to be doing. And that is to deploy for others. Notice that when we uh, become a Christian, we accept Christ into our lives. And basically, we put all our trust into him, and we decide on Jesus. Notice that we're not instantly zapped up to heaven. There's a reason for that. Because we're not finished. God still has a plan for us, and that is to deploy for others. We still have a job, and that is to deploy for others. And I feel like there's, there's probably many people in this room where we've discovered truth, we've decided on Jesus, we've demonstrated change. Like, we can look back and we're like, yeah, you know, um, there's change in my life. I can, I, I've seen that. But we think to ourselves, I'm not ready to deploy. I'm not ready to, like, reach out. I'm not ready to reach out for others. I'm just, I'm just not there. And what we do is we start reasoning in our minds, this is really just to make ourselves feel better. And we start thinking to ourselves, you know, I, you know, I used to do this in the past. I used to, I used to reach out in the past, but, but you know, I'm, I'm too old. I don't do that stuff anymore. Or some of you, it's, it's, you know, someday, someday I'll reach out. Someday I'll deploy for others. But you know, right now, I'm, I'm too young. Or some of us is, you know, well, I. I haven't been a Christian very long, and so, you know, I'm just, I don't know all the answers. Like, what if I were talking to somebody, one of my friends or family members or whatever, and, and they ask me a question, and I don't know the answer to it. Like, what am I supposed to do? So that's why I don't deploy. And then even some of us, it's like, well, I, that's not my job. Right? I'm not supposed to be doing that. That's, you know, that's a pastor's job. Those are the leaders in the church. They're the ones who are supposed to do that. And, and some of us are even, we're super spiritual about things, and so we spiritualize things. We all do this, including myself, and we think to ourselves, you know, we're like, you know, I, I, before, I, you know, I've demonstrated change, and, and I'm still on this step, and I really want to get good at the demonstrate change step. So I, I want to be discipled first. First, I want to be, you know, we use the church words. First, I want to be discipled, and then I'll deploy for others. Or this is what I hear all the time. You know, first, I want to focus on my relationship with God first. Once I get, like, super right with God, then I'll deploy for others. I'm like, yeah, good. You should be getting, you know, right with God. That You should be constantly growing in your relationship with God. But that's not something that just ends. And then deploy for others begins. We are always supposed to change. See, when we go through excuses like that and we reason that in our minds, the problem is we are already disobeying God on the little knowledge that we have in the Bible. See, the last thing that Jesus said before he went up to heaven to his disciples, okay, his main crew, um, he says, hey, I, I got a couple things I want you guys to do. I want you to go out and I want you to make Disciples, I want you to go and I want you to tell people about what I've done for them, that, that they can be saved, that there is hope for them. 
You know, I could go read a, a book on health, right? And I, can, I could go listen to people talk on stage about health, and I could go gain all this knowledge about health. But if I don't do what they say, eh, this doesn't do anything for me. That doesn't make me healthy. If I don't work out, if I don't exercise, if I don't do all those things that they say that, that you need to do to become healthy, that doesn't make me healthy. It's really the same thing in the Bible. If we don't do what the Bible says, what's the point? See, there's a bunch of different ways to really obey this command. And, and probably the main way is when we're outside these walls, when you be out there reaching people. And we're actually going to be talking more about that next week. And I think that's probably the most important thing. But today what I want to focus on is how do we obey that command to go and to, to make disciples, to reach people. How do we do that within these walls? And we're going to be talking about serving. And I know some of you guys are like, serving, oh, not this again. You know, the guilt trip, yeah, it's coming. <laughs> if you're like me, you like to be served, right? Do we, we all like to be served. We can agree on that, right? I feel like we all like to be served, but, but there's very few of us that like to serve, right? It's like going to a sit-down restaurant, right? We expect the server to serve, right? That's their job. We're the customer, we pay good money for them to serve us. You know, uh, we, the customer's always right. You know, that's something that isn't like a question for us. It's really, it's really expected. And then we're sitting at the table. This, is, this happens to everybody maybe almost every time you go out, right? You're sitting at the table, and then you run out of your drink. And you're like sipping out of your straw. It's really loud. It's echoing throughout the, the restaurant. You know, you do that to try to get the server's attention. You're like jingling your ice and... You run out of drink before they can give you a refill, and we're like, wow, this is bad service. Or you get your order, and it's ex not exactly how you ordered it. You're like, oh, wow, you know, what's wrong, you know, what's wrong with this waiter waitress? They got that wrong. This is a bad, this is a bad server. Or, this is the one I hate the most, I think. Or you're sitting there, and you've been done with your meal, and you're just waiting for the check. Does that ever happen to people? And you're just like, I got to go. I got things to do. I've been waiting here for 30 minutes for this check. All right, we think to ourselves, wow, this is, this is a not good service. What's taking so long? Last week, I was, uh, I was at Texas Roadhouse with my dad. We were in California for a conference, and uh, he's a big Texas Roadhouse guy, so, and he was driving. So we drove like an hour to this Texas Roadhouse. We passed all kinds of restaurants, but that's, that's the one we had to go to. And so, <clears throat> and so we're, going, we're, we're there, you know, and Texas Roadhouse... You know, you can get a good steak at a lot of places, right? I don't go to Texas Roadhouse for the steak. I go to Texas Roadhouse for the rolls, right? Anybody else? Okay, not even the, just the rolls, but they got that cinnamon honey butter that goes with the rolls. So good. Making me hungry as I think about it right now. And so we sit down, and my dad's all about that. That's his main reason, too. And so we sit down, and the lady puts the basket of rolls in front of us. And so we're, like, spreading the honey, you know, the cinnamon honey butter on it. We're chowing down. And those rolls are gone within, like, two minutes. They're gone. Basket's empty. And so the next time the waitress comes by, she's taking our order. And, uh, and, she's, and he's, my dad says, hey, could we get some more? Could we get another basket of rolls? And she's like, sure. I'll be right back. She didn't come right back. I don't know where she went, but she did not come right back. And so we wait there and wait there and wait there. And like 20 minutes later, she finally brings us our basket of rolls. And we're like, finally. And the whole time I'm going, wow, you know, this isn't 
good service. What's going on here? And she finally brings us our basket of rolls. And there's only, she only filled like the little cup of cinnamon honey butter like halfway. So then my dad and I have to compete over that. You know what I mean? Because that's the best part. And so we're like, you know, but we're, I'm thinking to myself, I'm like, wow, this server isn't a great server. Just because she did one little thing that I didn't, I didn't like. See, we all like to be served, but very few of us like to serve. You know, you go to a really good restaurant, a really good store, you say, wow, they have great customer service. We're all about service. We're all about being served. And Paul, he actually touches on this in his letter to the church in Rome. And uh, Romans chapter 12, verse 1, this is what Paul has to say. He says, therefore, I urge you, brethren, when he says brethren, that's a key that we should pick up on that, that he's talking to the church. He's talking to believers here. He says, therefore, I urge you, brethren, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies a living and holy sacrifice acceptable to God, which is your spiritual service of worship. He's saying, hey, if we have decided on Jesus, we should be willing to offer ourselves as a sacrifice. We need to be willing. Uh, this, this is a part of it. We need, really, we need to be willing to serve. See, a lot of us, we think to ourselves and we're like, you know, yeah, I, I'm all about serving God. You know, serving is, you know, I get that we should serve God. And, and yeah, I serve God in, in some different ways. But, uh, but a lot of us, what we're thinking is it's, it's only when, we're, when it's convenient for us. Yeah, I'll serve God, but, but in, in deep down it's like, but only when it's convenient. See, the thing that we think, the thing that we miss is that sacrifice means it costs us something. It costs us. If it doesn't cost us anything, then it's not, then it's not a sacrifice. And so Paul's saying, hey, we need to be willing to serve and it will cost you. See, we need to hand our life over to Jesus for service. Now, for a lot of us in this room, we've already done that. We've done that spiritually. When we've decided on Jesus, we made that decision to decide on Jesus, we handed you know, our life over to Jesus spiritually, and that's done. But God wants more from us. He wants more out of us. He requires more. He wants our physical bodies. He wants our time. He wants our effort. He wants our ministry. Those are the things that we need to sacrifice for him. And we need to be willing to sacrifice different areas of our life to serve him. And it's going to cost us. Paul, he says, this is our spiritual act of worship. He's saying, hey, this is what, this is what true worship looks like. And a lot of us, we, we're under the impression that, hey, yeah, worship, I get th what that is. You come in on a Sunday morning, we worship God for 20 minutes once a week, and then we go back. You know, that's, that's a teeny tiny little part of what worship actually is. It's a small little part. See, worship is having a lifestyle of service to God. It's an everyday life thing, living for him, serving him, giving up ourselves, having a cost to it, and sacrificing for him. Not, by the way, because we are required to, which we are. That's what he's saying. We are required to, but that's not the reason. The reason is because we are willing to. Because we want to. The next verse in verse 2 says, and do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. A lot of you guys, you have this verse memorized. This is a well-known verse people you know, have memorized. So he says, so that you may prove 
what the will of God is, that which is good and acceptable and perfect. He's saying willingness to serve God is a mindset. It's something that happens within. See, we need to, we need to separate the way that we think from the outside world. Growing up, the, the world tells us right at the beginning of our life, the world tells us, hey, it's about you. Okay, you need to do whatever makes you happy. You need to pursue happiness. Whatever you want, that's what you need to do. And the Bible's like, God's like, no, that's not right. That's not how it's supposed to be. When we become a believer, when we put our trust in Jesus, when we decide on Jesus, we become, our life becomes about serving God. That's what matters. So you know, a lot of people, you know, I'll, I'll ask, hey, why aren't you serving or why don't you serve in this area? And, and it's usually 80%, 90%, the same excuse. It's like, well, you know, I'm, I'm really busy right now. But someday I will or hey, I'm really busy right now. And I did in the past, but, you know, in the future, sure, I'll, I'll, I'll be able to get around to it. It's like I don't have enough time. I'm too busy. And part of what I think, it's like, man, all right. You're going to, you know, what are you going to tell God someday? That you were too busy? The God who came down and died on a cross, gruesome death for you? You're going to tell me you're too busy for an hour a week? Or a few hours a week to serve him? Or to live that life of service? You know, the thing that we miss is that we, as believers, and really for the rest of this message, I'm only talking to those of us who have decided on Jesus, which isn't everybody in this room. But we as a church family individually, we are going to be held accountable to the life that we lived. I think a lot of us, you know, we're kind of banking on, well, I decided on Jesus, so I'm good. I got my get out of hell free card, so I'm set. You know, I think God's going to ask, God's, he's going to require us to answer, hey, hey, how did you serve my church? Okay, you're good. Yeah, you're, we have this relationship, but how did you serve? What did you do with that knowledge? See, it's a perspective thing. It's stuff that we forget. It's a mindset. You know, sometimes I feel like what we all should really do is we need to wake up in the morning, and the first thing that we need to be thinking is, hey, God, all right, I know what I want today. I know what I want to do, but God, what do you want me to do for you? How do you want me to serve you today? How do you want me to serve the church? It's all perspective. It's all a mindset. In verse 3, Paul goes on. He says, For through the grace given to me, I say to everyone among you, not to think more highly of himself than he ought to think. Okay, we, every single one of us, we struggle with this. That's hard. All right? But to think so as to have sound judgment, as God has allotted to each a measure of faith. See, not only do we need to be willing to serve, but we also need to be humble while serving. And that's difficult for all of us. We actually see this play out in the church all the time. A lot of times we'll have somebody and they'll uh, start serving in some ministry here and they'll be super passionate about it, which by the way is exactly what we're looking for. We want you to be passionate about the area that you're serving. We want you to enjoy it. I want you to use your gifts. All right, but a lot of times that same person will kind of come in with, with like an underlying agenda. And that is to change this ministry to, to the way they want it. Or to change how these, this ministry is run, run to the way that they think it should be run. 
In the end, they're only thinking about themselves. Or how about this, you know, probably a lot of us in this room, I know I have, have heard this when somebody will walk outside these doors after the service and they'll, they'll say something like, you know, I didn't really enjoy the music today. You know, by the way, no one would ever say that about a sermon. I know that, but maybe the music. <laughs> just kidding, Tim, just kidding. All right, but you all hear someone say that and you're just, you know, the way I'm thinking, I'm just like, I'm just like, oh, the music's not for you. It's like we forget this. The music's for him. We're supposed to be worshiping, worshiping him. It has nothing to do with ourselves. See, what we are all so good at, and again, it's me included, is we tend to turn serving God into serving ourselves. That's what we do. That's what we are all experts at. And Paul is saying, hey, that's not right. That's the wrong mindset. That's not being humble. He says, don't think more highly of yourself than you should. Don't view yourself as better than others. Don't view your ideas as better than others. See, the church should really have nothing to do with what we want. The church should really have nothing to do with how we want it. The church service, at least. See, the church is about reaching out, fulfilling our mission. The church should all be about deploying. Paul, he actually explains even further, and he gives us an example in Romans uh, chapter 12, verse 4. He says, for just as we have many members in one body, and all the members don't have the same function, okay, we get that, we who are many are one body in Christ, and individually members of one another. Since we have gifts that differ according to the grace given to us, each of us is to exercise them accordingly. And then he goes on and he starts talking about some gifts, and you can read those later. But he's saying, hey, first we need to be willing to serve, and then we need to be humble while serving, and then we need to be doing it together. This is how God created the church. See, Paul's saying, hey, look at your body, right? Your body's got a bunch of different parts. They do a bunch of different things. Your hand is different than your foot. You know, we all understand that it's not rocket science. And he's like, hey, the church is the same way. Right? The church is one body. But the church is a bunch of different people. And there's a bunch of different people that are gifted in a bunch of different ways and do a bunch of different things. See, the Bible teaches us that the moment that we decide on Jesus and start that relationship with him, we are given specific traits or specific gifts that we are to use to serve within the church. You know what that means? That means God has uniquely gifted you to serve his church. You know, a lot of times, um, I think we, again, we're, we're really good at turning things around to make it all about ourselves, but a lot of times we want a gift that we don't have. You know, we come in here on Sunday mornings, we, you know, we think to ourselves, well, oh, yeah, I wish I was more like her, or I wish I had the talents that he's got, and you know, we look at the stage, you know, I wish I could sing on stage every week, or, you know, I wish I could be more into tech, or I or was better at that, or I wish I could teach. And what are we doing? We're turning God's gifts that he's given specifically for us for a reason, on purpose. It's all about ourselves. Paul, he actually explains this same exact concept, concept to the church in Corinth. He says this, he says, for the body is not one member, but many. Okay, we understand that. Right? If the foot says, uh, because I'm not a hand, I'm not part of the body. 
Is not for this reason any less a part of the body? That doesn't make any sense. And if the ear says, because, if I, because I am not an eye, I'm not part of the body, is not for this reason any less part of the body? Right? The whole body were an eye, where would, the, where would the hearing be? It wouldn't be able to hear. We wouldn't be as good. If the whole were hearing, where would the sense of smell be? It would be impossible. Right? But now God has placed the members, each one of them, in the body, just as he has desired, on purpose. And if they were all one member, where would the body be? But now there are many members, but one body. Paul's saying that's how the church is. All a bunch of members, all unique, unique on purpose, different on purpose. They make up one body. And I feel like I have to say this, um, and I want to say this. Here at Grace, uh, we have a group of you that you are so faithful in serving. You're so faithful. You serve every week. I grew up here at Grace. I grew up here at the church. And uh, some of you have served basically every week I can remember. All right, some of you have served since, you know, I was two years old and I had you as a teacher in Grace Kids. All right, and you're still serving. And I just want you to know that there are countless people from Sandusky County that were on the path to hell that are now have a relationship with God and are on the path to heaven because you have served. And I want you to know that. It's huge. God has used you to do crazy things more than, I mean, we'll never be able to see them. We'll never be able to understand, but God has done it through you. But others, the majority here, you don't live a lifestyle of service. Not really. You haven't really deployed yet. Here at Grace, I was looking up some stats this week. Here at Grace, we have 1,886 members. And uh, that's always changing. That number's fluid. Some, we're always dropping people off and, or taking people off that list. And people are always jumping on. Um, but we have 1,386 members, meaning these are people that we consider core people. Okay, These are people who have said, hey, I'm in. I'm in on what the church is doing. I want to be a part of this church family. I want to be a part of this one church body you know, I'm in. But then I'm, I'm also looking in, over the past two months, we've, we've had 974 of our members who haven't served at all. I mean, those are real numbers. See, you can fake spirituality. We get that. I can put Jesus in as many sentences as, as I want. You know, oh, it's a nice day outside. Oh, praise the Lord. You can fake spirituality, but you cannot fake service. Either you do or you don't. Either you're the real deal or you're not. Sometimes I'll go to uh, Walmart late at night and uh, I just have to pick something up. And you know how Walmart is, right? It's designed. I mean, Walmart spends millions of dollars. They design their Walmarts millions of dollars just to bring you in through the doors, okay? You could get your, you know, tire fixed, you get your oil changed while you're shopping, get your hair cut, you could go to the eye doctor, there's a bunch of stuff that you can do at Walmart. I mean, it's all designed to bring in through the doors, big parking lot and everything, and, um, and it's modern, and it's nice. How many of you at the, I don't know if all the Walmarts have this or what, but at the Fremont Walmart, there's like that robot thing that rolls around. You guys know what I'm talking about? You guys seen that? It's even got a name. I don't remember the name, but Rosie. 
Is that what you said? Okay, that's weird. You don't name robots. Okay, it kind of freaks me out. Sometimes you feel like it's looking at you, and you're like, stop. Anyway, Walmart, they put all this money into, uh, into bringing you in. And sometimes I'll go to Walmart, and it, it, you know, be late at night, I only have to pick up a couple things because I'm a guy, and that's what we do. We don't go there to browse or shop. That's not what dudes do. We go in there, we grab the thing, and we take off, we leave. We don't got time for Walmart. So I go in there. It's late at night. There's only like 20 cars in the parking lot. I grab the couple things that I need, and I go to the register. And this is how it all, late at night, this is just how it is, okay? You go up, there's one lane open. You know what I'm talking about? There's like 25 lanes, but there's only one that's open. And so you got to go, and you've, there's 20 cars in the parking lot, and you feel like they're all in line. Like, we're all here together. And so we got to go wait in line. And you're thinking to yourself, you're like, hey, if they had just like, I don't know, this isn't rocket science, but like one more person, this would go twice as fast. You know what I mean? Like, let's go. And I know some of you guys are thinking, well, why don't you go to the uh, self-checkout lines? Yeah, that's even worse. You know, you go up there and half the time you can't find the barcode. And then when you find it, it beeps, but then something's wrong and it says you got to wait for assistance anyway. Or you put it in the bag and it tells you to put it in the bag. And you're like, it's already in the bag. Stop yelling at me. <laughs> then you got to wait for somebody. It takes longer to do the self-checkout thing. All right, so you got to go there, and you got to wait in line. And it's like, if you think of yourself, you're like, man, an experience to Walmart. They put millions of dollars to make your experience at Walmart nice. They want you to come back, all right? But that can all be ruined in an instant. There's not enough workers. Sounds like a lot of churches today. There's a lot of churches out there that can have a, you know, you can have a great facility, you can have a bunch of awesome ministry. You can have a million-dollar facility. You can have a bunch of awesome ministries. It can all be great. But if there's not enough people to serve those who walk in through those doors, who are trying to discover truth, who are trying to decide on Jesus, don't know where they're at yet, man, we could all just be ruined. We can miss out on those opportunities. See, a mom could come in, she could be, you know, a young mom who's got an infant or, or a toddler, and she, you know, here at Grace, we got a nursery, we got those big, big windows, and she can look in through those windows, and if she sees 10 kids and only two adults, she's not putting her kid in there. She's going, hey, have a nice day. And she's either leaving, or let's say she comes in here, and, uh, and I have kids, and so I totally understand how this is. Kids can be distracting. If I had Toby in here, it'd be a disaster. I'd be constantly like on him. Stop that, stop that, stop that, you know? I can't do that. I wouldn't be able to pay attention. And so you could have a young mom or a young dad who misses the opportunity to discover truth or to decide on Jesus all because their basic needs were not met when they walked in through the doors. That's the reality of it. See, you were designed for service. You were uniquely gifted on purpose by God himself to serve within the church. I'm not making this up. Here at Grace, we have, fortunately, we have a bunch of different areas um, that, that we need help in. Opportunities to serve. We're, as I was mentioning earlier, we're getting ready to open up this Tiffin campus. And, um, and with that, we have a lot of Tiffin families that are serving every week here that are awesome, that are rock stars, that are going to Tiffin because that's where they live. 
And that's going to leave a bunch of holes here at our Fremont campus. And then at Tiffin, we don't have enough people to serve there either. So we have a bunch of holes in Tiffin. What we need is we need our church family because that's what we are. We are one and we are a family. We need to step up. By the way, there's, only, there's mainly four areas that we really are desperate for help. And that's Grace Kids, Few Student Ministries, Tech, and Music. So I just want to challenge you today challenge you this morning that if you're thinking to yourself, you're like, okay, yeah, you know, God's uniquely gifted, you know, or uniquely has gifted me on purpose, and I'm supposed to be serving in the church, and I'm not living a life of service, and I need to, I need to try to figure this out. And if that's you, man, I challenge you, get this taken care of today. There's a couple ways you could do that. You go home, you could go to ohiograce.com slash volunteer. It's great. But if you're like me, you'll forget to do it, because I totally would. But what I want to challenge you really is you could do it that way or you could just take care of this right now. You could grab the communication card from the rack in front of you. You could put your name on it and then put an area where you're interested in serving because we are desperate for help. Your church family needs you. See, when one part of the body isn't serving, if one part of the body isn't working out, it's the whole church family that, that suffers. It's the whole church family that is missing out. We need you. And we are excited about where God is taking our church as a whole. We are excited about our church family, how we are one. We're excited for where God's taken us. But we need you to be willing to serve. And we need you to be humble while serving. And we all have to kind of come together to do this. Let's pray. Lord, God, we thank you for these gifts. You've made us unique on purpose. We are different on purpose. This was your idea. It's not our idea. God, we thank you for giving us specific gifts to serve each other, to deploy, to go reach the world around us. God, we're supposed to be part of this team. And those who haven't jumped in the game, we ask that they would, they would challenge that we challenge them to do that this morning. God, we thank you for our church family. Thank you for the relationships that we have here. And we thank you for this time. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.